Playlist with Ben and Fiona. I knew this was going to happen, but I thought it was going to take 10 years. It's my greatest achievement. Welcome to The Playlist, where we talk about movies and TV shows that are worth your time. I'm Fiona Williams, and I manage our online coverage of movies and TV at SBS, and I'm joined remotely by SBS channel manager Ben Yuin, who's also my co-host. Hey, Ben. Hi, Fee. How are you doing in lockdown? Oh, look, I'm good. I think I've chalked up 11 weeks of working at home now, so, um, yeah, doing great. How about you? Good. I uh, pulled out my um, homemade naan recipe again last night. That's a skill I've learnt while in lockdown. Fancy. Um, In the meantime, what are we talking about today? Well, this week on the playlist, the hit 2018 Irish novel turned ISO phenomenon normal people. Fiona, you're getting physical from a distance with PE with kids, online sensation, the body coach himself, Joe Wicks. We give Alien, The Shining and Unorthodox a spin in what we've been watching and offer up our ISO picks for SBS On Demand. Plenty to get on with. Yep, let's get into it. So let's start with normal people. It's one of the classic high school love stories. High achieving nerd girl with an attitude who none of the boys like despite the fact she's gorgeous. Popular working class jock boy who's the star of the football team, but actually much more sensitive and bookish than he lets on. Paths cross, there are fireworks and lots and lots of sex in secret. Let's hear a bit. We hook up secretly. Like some kind of game. That's actually really hard. We don't want people going around town saying that knacker is dating my sister. It's not what I want anymore. I feel nothing for you. Nothing. Why are you saying this? Her new boyfriend is more in line with her social class. Are you dating anyone problematic at the moment? I haven't had a midnight call from you in a while. So corrupt and sexy. Would you say your feelings are involved? Obviously. Who is it obvious to? A couple of disclaimers, I haven't read the much acclaimed novel and my thoughts are based on viewing the first couple of episodes, so there's every chance the storylines and characterizations will deepen as the series continues. But I'm left with a question, is this an authentic portrayal of young love or a case of style over substance, all indie soundtrack and longing glances? Well, based on what I've seen, it's probably a bit of both. What did you think, Fee? Uh, well, I'm sort of in the same boat in that um, I didn't read the book, even though my book club did it. <laughs> I was <laughs> a very bad book club member. Um, and, again, I've not finished the entire season. So, um, yeah, I'm a couple of episodes in. But, um, you know, I don't think everyone has a universal experience of teenagehood and adolescence and certainly adolescent relationships, so can't speak to how authentic it is. But it certainly presents in a way that it feels authentic for them, <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm. So I think um, for these two teenagers, like you say, she's um, this loner at school and she wears sarcasm as a bit of an armour, I think. Um, yeah. She's really smart, very pretty, but, yeah, doesn't interact with anyone. And there's the sporty guy who's secretly smart and through a shared connection that they form a pretty hot and heavy relationship. But... I think the way this story is told, 
it gets an awkwardness and an intimacy, very much an intimacy in the way mm. the story is told. So um, you do feel like you're there and it feels quite natural and authentic the way the way they um, they bring it to life. Yeah, I don't think there's anything groundbreaking or new here, but what I did find refreshing is the positive role modelling about communication and consent. There's sort of, uh, you know, in their first encounter a lot of can I touch you there and how does that feel and and that's important that we start to see those kind of portrayals. I think sort of part of what underlies this show's success is that there's a generation of singletons who are now confined to their homes and this is a bit of the horny escape they've been seeking. <laughs> Definitely. Um, <laughs> yeah, and I think on this, yeah, everyone's talking about it on Twitter and, and Facebook and all the other platforms, I'm sure. Um, and I think the way they do shoot the intimacy is really interesting and they had an intimacy coordinator on the set to try and work through because I mean there's a lot of sex in it and they're very naked and um it you know it's a new job description that uh, is important <laughs> in these days of me too to work with the actors so that no one feels exploited and feels that they have mm, to do something that they yeah, might not no. feel comfortable doing yeah really important yeah but also so that they're not choreographing things on the fly and it's also what the director wants out of the scene as well so there's sort of this this role is the liaison between the actors and the director to just make sure everyone's okay with getting it on on screen yeah i'm sure there's a podcast in just talking about the um choreography of sex scenes but uh mm. we'll allow others to pick up that mantle <laughs> um but they're only half hour episodes and the story does progress and you know, I will keep watching. I haven't. Um, it progresses sort of as they continue on um, through their sort of university lives and the ebbs and flows of their relationship through that. But I think for me, again, this is another success story of just the half hour format of episodes because this really is a drama. There's no sort mm. of pretense at sort of dramedy or no. um, comedy. And there's just something in the days of streaming where it, half-hour episodes just sort of fly by so quickly that lends itself to the binging experience. And I know that mm. this has sort of done record numbers on um, BBC Three online in the UK, for example. Yeah, I, I like the 30 minutes, actually. Um, there's a lot of silence in the scenes as well and, like, it, there's a lot of looks and it, there's all sort of very loaded looks between them and um, in the scenes. And I feel if that was in an hour, even though it's very good, I feel like that might out states welcome a little bit so I do like mm. that it's there's a lot wrapped up in there it doesn't really allow for any time to be wasted like it's it's kind of an economical way of telling story of an intense relationship in the 30 minutes I, I like the, the way it plays with that format yeah I think that people obviously are really loving it there's sort of been a bit of a wave of backlash of people who are out to proclaim that normal people isn't as great as everyone says it is. but <laughs> That's true of everything. You can't do <laughs> something with someone telling you why it's terrible. <laughs> but I, I sort of, I'm, I probably feel there's, you know, a bit of truth to both sides that uh, it didn't knock my socks off, but the central performances are very good and it is beautifully put together. Mm. I mean, I, I fully declare scepticism about, um, I want to call it a little bit fawning praise that I was seeing writing about it, how it was going to change my life, all of that. But I always take that with a grain of salt anyway. So like, good luck if you think that <laughs> about the show and I'm glad <laughs> you're really happy with it. But um, yeah, you know, I think a more balanced and nuanced view that I take is, yeah, it's really good. It's a good way to spend half an hour and follow it up with a binge if, if you want to complete the set. Yeah. And I, and I suppose that if it 
if it is a show that really speaks to you and means a lot because it reflects some of your own experiences mm. or says something about the time in your life that you happen to be in now, then, you know, good on you. Like uh, we all need those those uh, pop culture moments that we're really passionate about. 100%. So that is Normal People and all episodes are out now on Stan. Fee, have you been exercising much in isolation? <laughs> Uh, well, I've been taking the dog for a lot of walks and trying to do a bit more because I'm leading a very stationary life here in my little makeshift <laughs> home office. But um, We are encouraging people to sit in front of screens. I uh, yeah. do have to say isolation, uh, snap purchase, bought a treadmill online <laughs> and have been watching a bit of TV while running on that. Wow, good for you. I, you're in a house. I don't think my downstairs neighbours would like that if I got one. But tell you what, I see you that and raise you. Um, listeners can't see this, but I've got a Pilates ring thing that I'm <laughs> showing then on the Zoom call. Look, it was on sale and, um, yeah, I snapped that up yet to use it, of course, and it's next to the dumbbells that I haven't used yet. But you've asked me this on a day where I set my alarm to get up and do a walk and... <laughs> Didn't just roll over and stayed in bed. But um, look, best of intentions, but no, not a lot. Why do you ask? Because I think a lot of people have been finding themselves motivated to exercise because of the um, online sensation Joe Wicks. And you had a chance to chat to him about uh, what's life like for him in isolation. Very much so. I did, yes, a.k.a. the body coach. And um, he's become the world's PE teacher, which we get into <laughs> because, um, no joke, you know, with all the school closures and then learning from home, he's very aware that kids aren't having the PE classes that they should be having, they would otherwise be having. So he's taken upon himself to do that. And what started as daily PE classes for kids has become the world's daily PE classes. I know some people that I'm friends with on Facebook who do it every day. Mm. Got a bit awkward in the interview when he asked me had I done it <laughs> and I had to confess, <laughs> no, but I will. Did, did you pull out the Pilates ring then? <laughs> no, I didn't. It hadn't no. arrived by then, but uh, it's just a recent acquisition. Um, <laughs> but no, and of course he was out for a walk when we have this chat, so um, it's quite fun to listen to when he's walking, hearing other people interact with him go, hey, Joe. Love your work, Joe, as he, as he goes past. So that's quite sweet. He's one of the ordinary heroes. Um, let's have a listen. Hello, Fiona. Thanks for having me. No, thank you. Really appreciate your time. I know you're man in demand at the moment. <laughs> Out for a walk. Thank you. So what time is over there now then? Uh, it's just going 8 o'clock on Wednesday night. Yeah, I'm out for a walk because I've been in the house all day. Do you mind if I sort of am on the go or do you want me to sit down? No, I don't mind. I don't mind. Yeah, as long as the service is um is okay. No, happy to happy to chat and have you walk around. Thank you. Yeah. How how are you going? I understand you've just had a short stint in hospital. Yeah, so I fell off my bike and I broke my hand and they put some wires in my hand and then I've been doing a pee with Joe workouts for the past six weeks and on, on Friday I got an infection which basically flared up and I had to go into hospital to remove the wires. Nasty. <laughs> um but your wife valiantly stood in. Has been standing in, yeah. Yeah, she's been my, Rosie, my wife, has been my teaching assistant. So I've been coaching it and she's been demonstrating all the exercise, which has been wonderful. Yeah. When, when do you think you might be getting back to being able to do it? I think tomorrow I said to her, you've done really well. I've done three days. So I'm going to start having a go tomorrow, but I won't be able to put my hand on the ground. So I'll probably be doing most of it standing up. 
Sure. Okay. Um, and tell me about the fundraising. That, that's been pretty amazing, the amounts you've raised. Yeah, we've had, I mean, I had no idea that it was going to be received so well and have so many views. We had 50 million views, which obviously when you have the views, you make money from YouTube revenue. So we've raised about £120,000 from that. And then we sold some T-shirts as well. We, we sold some little P with Joe T-shirts and sold, made like 120 grand. So we've definitely made over £200,000 so far and it's growing. So I just really, I, I didn't want people to think that I was doing it to make money. I didn't want to capitalise finance and I wanted to use that money to put it back into the community. So it's gone to the NHS Charities Together, which is a fund which distributes it to all the different NHS charities. Mm, yeah, a very worthy cause at the moment. Yeah, they're, they're doing the hard work for us, aren't they? Definitely. Yeah. So tell me, where did this idea come from? And how long did it take to mobilise? Sort of, where, How did you identify the need for this and then get it all happening, these morning PE workouts? Well, I've been in the UK. I've been on this mission for about four years now. I've been visiting schools. I've done a UK tour. I went all around Scotland, Ireland, Northern Ireland and visited schools. And I was supposed to be going on another tour the week that the schools got closed. So I decided why not do it on a you know a live stream, do it on YouTube every day, Monday to Friday. I'll call it PE with Joe. And the idea was then I, I put it out into the world on the Thursday night, started on the Monday and I had like 700,000 live streamers on the first day. And then the second day was 954,000 live streams, which is a new Guinness World Record. They sent me a, re- a Guinness World Record for it. It's amazing. <laughs> and yeah. to the world, I mean, sort of what are some countries that you know are, are tuning in every day? Well, once I announced it, they got loads of press. So like national press and then international like CNN, ESPN. I did Australian breakfast show and Good Morning Britain and all these kind of breakfast, the Aussie and, and American breakfast shows. And it just got massive traction because everyone wanted to interview me. And I'm surprised, but even small countries like Iran, Jamaica, um, Madagascar, like Fiji, Bali, all these places, India, it's really reached Scandinavia, all of it, it's literally is a global PE lesson, honestly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're the world's PE teacher right now. <laughs> how does that feel? How, how does it feel? It feels amazing. It feels like it's what I've been working on. It's, I dreamed of this. I, you know, I, not necessarily world PE teacher, but I had dreamed about really creating change in the UK and helping kids and families to get, to get active and I knew this was going to happen. Like I've been manifesting this for so long, but I thought it was going to take 10 years. I didn't think I was going to have all these people engaged in it. And it's my greatest achievement. And I'm, I'm so proud that I've got families together, you know, affluent families, but really, you know, families from low economic backgrounds in up the north or in the Midlands, you know, training together in their tiny little flats or houses together for the first time ever. And I know that's going to be changing their lives. I think it's going to have a long lasting impact on them. Mm-hmm. I guess, you know, it's kind of open-ended as well. I mean, there's no certainty of when things are going to return to normal, whatever normal is. Like, you're just going to keep doing it until there's some normalcy in the world? Yeah, I mean, I, I thought I was going to do it for like a week, you know, a week or two. <laughs> Didn't really think how long it was going for. And then I've now been doing it seven weeks. But I said I'm going to do it as long as I'm, I'm needed. So for me, it could be six months, could be four months. But I love it. I'm really enjoying it. And I, I think I've done something really positive. I've really got people feeling optimistic and energized and healthy at a time when everyone's really struggling with their mental health yeah for sure and what's it doing for you sort of as part of your routine of of self-isolating there with the family what are some routines that you're sort of getting in the habit of well this PE with Joe has given me structure it's given me something to get up for it's given hello thank you it's given me um something to work towards it's given me something to like feel positive about and I feel like I'm I'm doing something I've got a purpose and it's it's, it's been so wonderful to just see the numbers so consistent because even on the, the days where, you know, Good Friday or Easter Monday, it was like still 
250,000 homes taking part. So it's wonderful. And obviously I've been doing my daily walk, which is what I'm doing now. I normally have the kids with me, but I knew I was having some interviews, so I thought I'm just going to go and have a little hour walk. Have you been to the UK before? Uh, yeah, briefly, maybe a few years ago, yeah. <laughs> so I'm walking from Richmond to Kingston because I've got to go to the hospital to change the uh, dressing on the hand. So I'm, I'm walking along the river to um, Kingston. Okay, how long is that sort of? What's the kind of... It's probably going to be about 45 minutes. Okay. Then I'll get an Uber back. I can get an Uber back through Richmond Park. Um, yeah, I've been walking my dog every morning. That, that's kind of my, <laughs> my routine. But uh, where did this focus on fitness come from for you? My fitness, when did it come? When did it start, did you say? Yeah. Um, I've always loved exercise. So from a young age, I was really into PE. I really, I used it as a way of, you know, dealing with my emotions. If I was, young, I was a bit stressed and a bit kind of, had a bit of a chaotic upbringing. So for me, fitness and sport was always a really big part of my life. And my ambition really was to be a PE teacher. That was my dream. I went to university to do a degree in sports science. And I thought, that's it. That's my goal. I'll be a PE teacher. But I didn't fall in love with it. I, I did a little bit of teaching assisting. And then I thought, right, what do I really love? And I was so passionate about fitness and working out. So I did my personal training qualification. And off there, I kind of went into the body coach. I went into the boot camps and the one-to-one PT. And then now, if you think, you know, nine years later, I've come full circle. And I'm actually now a PE teacher to the world. So I'm doing exactly what I dreamed of doing as a kid. Mm. <laughs> yep. We're repeating the 2016 show, The Body Coach. That show particularly with people, you know, on the 90-day deadline or the 60 or 30 deadline. Yeah. Going back that kind of phase and working with people, very deadline orientated. What can you remember about making, making that show back then? Yeah, basically, that back then, my brand and my whole kind of mission and my, if you like, my narrative was all about physical transformation. It was about 90-day plan. It was sign up, transform the way you look, lose body fat, you know, get lean. But now I very rarely talk about those things. It's all, all, it's really shifted to mental health. It's exercise to feel good. It's exercise to feel happy and energized and wake up and feel productive and be patient with your kids. And, you know, all these things I've learned, I've evolved. My, 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 my motivation to exercise has completely changed. I used to do it to look good and have abs and blah, blah, blah. But now it's like, I just want to wake up and be really calm and patient with Indy. I want to be, you know, motivated and productive and I want to feel happy. And so for me, my motivation's changed. If I was going to do one now, I'd talk all about the mental health. Sure. So a lot of us now, speaking from experience, um, you know, we're working from home in front of our monitors all the time, not even getting up to go between meetings. It's literally just the next Zoom call. So like are the people doing your PE class, you know, is it, is it workers doing it as well, sort of to break up the day? Or what are some other tips that people can do to break up their just really sedentary habits that they're forming <laughs> working from home? I've had obviously lots of kids, lots of mums and dads, but also... NHS workers, night shift workers, key workers that are still working. It's, it's not just for kids. It's really transcended age. I've got, I've got workouts on there for um, senior and elderly people. I've had 96-year-old grannies doing it in care homes. So it's like everyone needs to be stimulated. Everyone needs to get up and do some exercise. And if that's for you, a home workout, or if, if it's going to um, go for a walk or a bike ride, you definitely need to break your day up. You need to get outside, get some fresh air, obviously respect the social distancing, but it's good for the soul to just step away from the digital screens and just have a bit of fresh air. Yeah, so true. <laughs> and like, what go, what's the planning that goes into them? You know, you've got quizzes, you've got flashcards, you know, you've got a little toddler running around there. Um, well, what's the kind of planning that you do for each everyday's class? Well, I started off with just the standard workout. So 30 seconds of work, 30 seconds rest. 
then I thought, right, I need to make this a little bit more exciting. So then I did Fancy Dress Friday, um, where I dressed <laughs> up as like Spider-Man and a frog and kangaroo. And I was like King Arthur on Friday. Then I thought, right, what about homework? Kids have homework. So I did, why don't I want you to write a letter to describe how you feel after you exercise. And the next piece of homework was design a workout and I'll choose one. And the next one was design a logo for a T-shirt, which I had printed and sold some. So different things like that. And then I think, right, spot the difference is fun for toddlers. Quiz is fun for like older kids and parents. And then so I've got big dice, I've got cards, I've got the coin toss challenge, I've got the spin the wheel of fortune. I'm, I just wanted to be fun. I wanted to be different. Hello, thank you. I wanted to be fun and different every single day. Yeah. So I plan it probably like a day, but I plan it probably like a day or two days before I start doing the quiz and stuff. And Pet Roses helped me with that as well. Yeah. No, it's great. It's great fun. More power to you for doing it. It's, it's great. Have and you done any of the workouts? Or have you just, um, I'm going to confess, no, I haven't. <laughs> but I, I'm fully inspired to do it. Yeah. Because I, I have to start moving more. I'm just spending a lot of time in this spare room. Yeah, other than walking the dog. <laughs> yeah, give it a go. I think you'll um, feel, I think it's fun. You just, you just let loose and you just be silly. Like I do silly dances and I have music sometimes and it just like takes your mind off of everything. You just feel really relaxed and after you feel like quite positive about the day and you sort of get on with the day and have a nice time. Yeah, now you've inspired me. <laughs> um, it took talking to you. And um, look, this is of a different uh, tack but like one thing we like to ask our guests on the show is what they've been watching like are you are you watching any movies or tv shows while you're in isolation as well are you are you much of a binger i love i love a good netflix show so obviously uh, i do watch um i watched ozark was my latest one which i was obsessed with do you, do you watch the ozark yeah yeah it's good loved ozark love tiger king <laughs> um I'm now into the last dance. I love, I just love, I also love an action film. So like the new Extraction one with Chris Hemsworth is pretty good just to take my mind off everything and just watch this mind like numbingly mad in action film. That's what I like. <laughs> yeah, I've seen that one too. Yeah, it's got all in there, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's good. Well, look, thank you so much. It's, I know you're a man in demand. Um, I really appreciate you taking the time and you have inspired me. I'm going to do your workouts. Yes, truly. Oh, that's okay. Don't stress, right? Yeah. Oh, thank you so much. When's it and then when's it going to be on tv uh next week so from the 16th well wonderful thanks for sharing yeah. it again that's all right yes yeah, so if you're getting um random tweets from australia about the show that's why because we've got it back on air thank yeah, you well, so much for having it back on great to have a lovely day bye-bye bye-bye so that was joe wicks the body coach and we've got one of his older shows playing 3 p.m on saturdays just uh, if you want to get moving to that. Sounds like he, like us, has been binging a lot of Netflix. <laughs> and how, yep. Which brings us to what have you been watching? Good question, Ben. What have you been watching? Well, I picked up on a show which had a lot of heat in early ISO times, if you recall back to those. I feel like it got spoken a lot at the time and uh, so I'm playing a little bit of catch-up and it is the Netflix drama Unorthodox. Ah, yes. So I think you've seen this, Fee, right? I have seen that, yeah, all the way through, just as we were all retreating to our homes. Yeah, I binged that one. Yeah, so I'm just sort of two of the four episodes in. So just for those who haven't seen it, it picks up on like a, a very young woman, virtually a girl, she's um, the character's 19 at the time. She's very heavily dressed with a hair that, looks like it's a wig and we rapidly discover that she is part of the Hasidic Jewish community in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, New York. 
and she is intending to escape. So a lot of that first episode is the drama of her fleeing this community and escaping away to Berlin in Germany, where gradually we discover her mum, who had fled also the, the same community, had resettled. But it is about her discovering what it's like to, to be free of all these religious burdens that she's had to carry, including her marriage to another very young man who ventures over to Germany with another member of the community in order to find her and bring her home. Um, what, what did you make of it, Fee? I really love the detail with which it presents the world. I'm not really familiar with the lives of the Orthodox Jewish community in, in um, Williamsburg, but the way it reveals rituals and just the detail of the minutiae of the life mm. is really revealing, I thought, and, and it was fascinating for that reason. I thought uh, Shira Haas is fantastic in the lead as Esther because it, it hinges on you caring and, and, you know, feeling invested in her story for it to continue, as all shows do. But, um, you know, it yeah. really hinges around her experience. So. She's a young uh, Israeli actress. Yeah. So if you've seen the film Foxtrot, which was great, a couple of years back she was in that, and in another English language role, um, The Zookeeper's Wife, with a friend of the show Jessica Testain a couple of years ago, she was in that too. Yeah, I think the way she, like she's the cipher really. You see her experience of an arranged marriage with another awkward relationship we're talking about, but, um, you know, just they've lived very sheltered lives and all of a sudden they're into this arranged marriage and the expectation to have children is immediate um, and she's got a mother-in-law who just really wants to know the details of their sex life. So, yeah, I, I think for the detail it reveals is fantastic. Um, the way the drama unfolds, there are a couple of holes in the plot that I, I was questioning a little bit, but just for the the performances and that detail was, was what I liked most about it. What about you? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm really enjoying it. I think, uh, you know, it is very eye-opening as to what life is like within this community, at least sort of as told from the perspective of the program. And and I think it is based on a, an article, non-fiction investigative article originally. Mm. I suppose there are parallels to other religions and um, particularly sort of conservative branches of those religions and the way that women can be oppressed. And I guess sort of that's like a running theme as she sort of begins to discover what opportunities are available to her in life away from these really strict constraints. But I guess, you know, I couldn't help but think of The Handmaid's Tale just in the way that mm. the headwear that the women wear in order to sort of for purposes of modesty, the way in which they're expected really to um, their role to play is to have children and to stay within the home. So, you know, there would be um, advocates of some of these traditions, I'm sure, but I suppose this is sort of part of that strict practice of religion which did inform the world within The Handmaid's Tale. So I, I, I did personally draw that parallel. Yeah, yeah, no, no it's not a, not a huge stretch to do that. Um, and I think the show is fair in showing, like it does show some women for whom it's it's absolutely their way of life and they'd never question anyone who leaves. And there's some a fair portrayal of some men in the, um, in the community as well um, who are empathetic to women and like are considerate and maybe have a change of heart as well. So it's, um, yeah, I think it's not a complete 
call to flee, mm. <laughs> flee the faith if that's your particular faith. So yeah, I, I think it's it's very considered in that not that it's not a one sided view of the world, but it's this. I think I guess it's to demonstrate how certain faiths might perceive someone who just doesn't feel part of the community and like if you need to flee how people react to that it's a revealing of human nature I guess yeah I I enjoyed as well I think you know the the story begins in the US but so much of it is is subtitled the community speaks Yiddish and then they relocate to Germany and I think again sort of the point was made around Parasite winning the Oscar earlier this year about Mm. actually the way that Netflix has mainstreamed you know, non-English language. And uh, the fact that this became a hit show on Netflix, I think, reflects that as well. So that's that's a plus in my book. Yeah, absolutely. And I just point people to SBS On Demand for all the drama as well that you can get in lote, as we call it, languages other than English. But, um, yeah, and watching it, I don't think it's because I'm a company woman, but I, I was thinking, well, you know, this is doing so insanely well and it's always in the top ten. There's, if people, If this opens people's eyes to dramas that are not in English, then that's fantastic. And I just thought, it, you know, it, I could see it sitting in it in the collections that on demand as well. So I, I love that more people are less beholden to having to, that whole, having to read <laughs> while you're watching a movie. You know what I mean? Like, it, it, yeah, that whole argument, I hope, goes out the window, but yeah. Great. And so, yeah, Unorthodox, all four episodes out now on Netflix. Fee, what have you been watching? Well, uh, I've been in a bit of a movie binge and doing a bit of a recent classics, I guess you could call it. Um, Aside from buying Pilates rings, um, we also indulged in a new um, 4K Blu-ray player recently for the the household. So big on physical media around here. (laughs) So as an aside as well, there's not a huge range of movies available in that format other than, yeah, I don't know. I think they've picked the corner of the market that they want to appeal to, but yeah. Not a wide variety of, of titles available, so I hope that improves <laughs> if I need to justify this investment. Yeah. But a couple that we did snap up that were fantastic. Um, Alien, of course, Ridley Scott's Alien, uh, and Stanley Kubrick's The Shining. Classics. Classics of the genre, both of those genres. Um, and I, long-time listeners would know I'm a bit of a scaredy cat, so I came late to The Shining. I um, avoided it for most of my life, quite frankly, and um, but I've watched it a couple of times in recent years, and um, yeah, I can see what all the fuss is about now. This fantastic story of little ragtag family cooped up in a big old spooky hotel. Emphasis on the spooky, uh, yeah, we're all secrets and ghosts, maybe, and maybe remembered trauma all comes to bear with a cute little kid that has creepy visions and Jack Nicholson doing. Very scary things. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, I feel like The Shine was, um, you know, meme after meme before we knew what that word meant. <laughs> yeah, I, I actually do think I saw The Simpsons episode where they spoof it before I saw the film, but I knew <laughs> enough about it to, to think it was funny. <laughs> yes. But, look, you know, and I, to this day I still don't, I don't think I 100% get it yet, but I love I love the vagaries of it, so you kind of fill in your own blanks about that and Who's the reliable narrator here and is anyone? And kudos to Shelley Duvall for that amazing performance as a mum just trying to keep, hold it all together, hold her marriage together and stop her son being traumatised and failing <laughs> at all of it. Spoiler. But, yeah, I still look away in the scenes in room 237 though. Oh, yeah, that's terrifying. There's a great documentary about 
The Shining, mm. which is all about a lot of the many of them crackpot theories about what the movie means. Yeah. But one of the pleasures is that you just get to relive that iconic imagery of the movie over and over with a different theory in mind uh, called Room 237. Absolutely. Yeah, I love that documentary and I need to watch it now that the movie's so recent in my head. Yeah, like some of them are kind of crackpot theories, but also the way they're told, you go, huh, maybe it is valid. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, everything from the moon landing to, um, you know, Native American massacres and they're not the crackpot ones there are a few rando ones in there as well but um no everything has a little bit of has enough to it that you do just wonder love it and there was a recent like this sort of passed me by but i stumbled onto it online there was a recent um sequel with ewan mcgregor dr sleep to the shining have you seen that i have not but that's also sitting on the shelf there so now having gone back to the original shining i'll watch the doc and watch the sequel too so Oh, well, I'm, I look forward to hearing your reports in future what we've been watching. So while we've been in isolation, Fee and I have been scouring the SBS On Demand collection, which has countless amazing titles to bring you some hidden gems. And I know, Fee, uh, you've uncovered a couple. Um, tell us about them. Yes, well, I still on the movie front. Um, a couple of my recent favourites have have just dropped there at on demand, and I want to give a special shout out to them um, in case they get swamped. There are at any given time, there's almost 900 movies available at SBS on demand, so it's easy to um, feel spoiled for choice. But and sometimes we need a little bit of guidance. That's right. That's what we're here for. So first one is L, and this one is stars Isabel Huppert in her Oscar-nominated performance as a woman called Michelle. And this one is directed by Paul Verhoeven. This was one of your picks of the year a few years back, a couple of years back. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. So I think it was 2016 uh, that, uh, yeah, this one, I just love it so much. And I love Isabel Huppert in it because it's such a, it's a really tricky one <laughs> to, on paper, it shouldn't work, but it, it absolutely is perfection the way she plays this woman um this woman called michelle and it's the tone of this film is fantastic and it's darkly funny which is not something that you think you'd be able to say about a movie that centers around a rape mm. uh and she uh just carries it with such a plum because the way that her character builds well it starts off with this horrendous scene that's very quiet. It's a. It's in the daytime. Her cat's looking on, and there's the violent assault that happens in her kitchen. And whereas other women would react in a very different way, Michelle, you know, throws out her dress, just gathers her composure, has a bath, and then orders a takeaway dinner. And um, you know, doesn't even think to call the police. Just kind of takes it, brushes it mm. off, and carries on with the life. And the beauty of the film is through fantastic character work and you know you come to understand why that would be her reaction and it's you know it's about how a woman works and walks in the world um it reveals how there's kind of any number of people who might have been the one that did it but, but the film isn't really you do like part of it is revealing who who the assailant in these is but the film's not about trying to catch him it's just revealing the everyday psychopaths in the world and how, how she has these very unique coping mechanisms. So, yeah, just watch it knowing that, that it's got a real wit to it and, um, yeah, not, not one for everyone probably, but 
absolutely one for me. <laughs> and I, I, yeah, I really do love it. So, Sophie, uh, when I'm typing that into my search bar, is it the letter L? No, <laughs> no, it's uh, oh, it's in French. So no, it's L E W L E, which French for she. So yes, fancy, L, like the magazine. And the other one I want to recommend wholeheartedly is a Polish film, and this one is Ida, spelled I-D-A, and that is the character's name here. So this one was directed by Pavel Pawlikowski, who is a friend of the show, <laughs> as I like to say. Um, he joined us for the chat about his stunning film Cold War, which won the Oscar a couple of years later. And uh, he just has a knack for it because Ida won the Oscars too, Back in, oh, I want to say 2014. But um, so this film is black and white, set in the 60s and is about a woman, very, very young woman who is about to embark on her novitiate and she wants to be a nun. But um, the mother superior has a conversation with her and just encourages her ever so gently to go and do a bit of a who do you think you are <laughs> and, um, you know, explore the family ancestry before she wants to fully commit about being a nun and through the rest of the story, we understand why the mother superior might say that because maybe she's not Catholic, I just want to say. Um, and through this, Ida finds an aunt who helps her embark on this uh, exploration of their ancestry. But um, So that's kind of the surface story and they're polar opposites, like the aunt was a judge and like a hard drink and hard living woman, whereas Ida, you know, she wants to be a nun. She's lived quite a, quite a closeted life compared to her aunt. She's an orphan. So the film is the surface story of them, these opposites kind of on a, on a journey to understand their family. But, you know, it has wonderful parallels to Poland's exploration of its past and its very complicated past in about World War II. So this being set in the 60s is about that too. So it's just beautiful and the less you know about it, the better. Some great jazz in it too. So that's Ida and uh, it's wonderful. I'm hearing Who Do You Think You Are meets The Sound of Music. So... You've won me yeah. over. <laughs> yeah. No line the goat herd in it, but um, it's, it's still great. So that's me. Uh, ben, what are you giving a shout-out to it On Demand? Well, it's more of a preview than a review um, this week. Mm -hmm. As people would know, well, they may not know, but I'm just assuming everyone is out there is a massive Eurovision fan because how could you – be listening to this podcast if you're not. That, that's the way that I, I live my life. I mean, same, so <laughs> no argument. <laughs> uh, so it is Eurovision week. This is the week that Eurovision would have taken place. But as we all know, some stupid global pandemic got in the way of that. So what we needed has happened, which is that SBS has rescued Eurovision and will be pulling together a special broadcast this Saturday night from 7.30pm, live streamed on SBS On Demand and available for your catch-up viewing at any time. And that is Eurovision Big Night In, which is a countdown of all the entrants for this year. We found a way to celebrate Eurovision in isolation. So there's going to be musicians, former entrants, Miff and Joel hosting, bringing you all the moments and magic of Eurovision um, right into your living room. As well as that, you can 
go onto SBS On Demand right now or the SBS website indeed and check out the songs and past performances. And on top of that, in Europe itself, uh, they are also producing a special which is going to go out Sunday night and that's also going to be available on SBS On Demand. So your cup runneth over with Eurovision delights this weekend. That's what I'm saying. Absolutely, because, I mean, this weekend is always earmarked for Eurovision and, yeah, it would be a blow if we couldn't celebrate that. It's it, Like, it's a light relief we all need right now. Um, and, yeah, SBS is absolutely encouraging people to have their own adequately socially distanced but um, have ISO parties with your quarantinies and all those other words <laughs> that we've made up in the last couple of months. Um, you know, you get your tweets on screen, use all the hashtags, SBS Eurovision and Big Night In. And also, if you want to shoot a video, you might get uh, featured in the show as well. Um, I think they're calling out for people to do a little video about uh, who would get your 12 points of the, or your 12 points, I should say, mm-hmm. in Eurovision panels. Thank you. Who, who you would have given those points to out of the 2020 contenders because it's such a shame that we won't get to see the performances that they were meant to be realised on screen yeah. in Rotterdam. But, um, yeah, at least this is at least a way to, it's the next best thing, you know. So um, in the show as well, we're going to see Montaigne, who was Australia's contender this year, doing what she would have done on the stage in Rotterdam, uh, her performance of Don't Break Me. So that's something to look forward to. Yeah. yeah. And she's she is going to compete next year for us, but for Australia, but uh, with a brand new song because you can't have the same song yeah. in consecutive years. It is a song contest after all. She will be our carryover champ. <laughs> Very much so. Yes, there was a... There was an Australia-wide poll of uh, it's kind of a People's Choice Award of who you would have given your douze points to. But, um, yeah, so that will all be revealed in the show. Uh, look, I don't I don't know the results, but, yeah, I think Russia's probably going to be in there for just the straight what-the-hell value of that. So look it up if you, uh, if you don't know what I'm talking about. Russia Eurovision 2020. Yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of special surprise treats in that show. <laughs> That's my tip. You never know what's going to happen on in that Eurovision stage, even when it's recorded from a bedroom on Zoom. And speaking of over Zoom, that's it for our ISO edition of the show this week. I think this is our third one now. And look, I love it, if only because we do it on a Wednesday and that helps me keep track of what day it is. <laughs> Make sure that you subscribe to SBS The Playlist wherever you get your podcasts and give us a lot of stars and leave a nice review because it helps people to find us. And you can let us know what you thought of the movies and TV shows we discussed on Facebook or Twitter at SBS Movies. And I'm on Twitter at Ben Nguyen TV. And I'm on Twitter at Anything But Fifi. And the playlist is produced by Jeremy Wilmot. Until next week. Thanks for listening.